All right, welcome into another edition of West of Everest. I am Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson back here in the middle of the week to talk OU West Virginia and everything else that's going around in the world of college football. But I think it's appropriate to start off this episode with some news that some of you may already know. Uh, and it's hopefully it's not going to change this show too much. Uh, the show will continue. Uh, you might be thinking, wait, of course it's going to continue. Why wouldn't it? Well, uh, I have taken a new job. I am no longer working at News 9 in Oklahoma City. I have gotten out of the TV sports business, and now I work for the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry, a total career change. Uh, but I am in the communications side. I'm the public information officer for ODAF, as they call it. And so now I'm going to go in from uh, TV, sports, into the world of government in Oklahoma and politics and See what that's all about. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, wanting to explore that environment. So I'm not going to be around Oklahoma uh, as much as I was before. I'm not going to, you know, for example, I, I wasn't at the Jeff Lebby and Ted Roof presser this Monday. I wasn't at the Britt Venables presser on Tuesday. In fact, to be fully transparent with you all, I did not see any of those press conferences, and I have been totally focused on my new job the last three days and in a way, it's, it's weird because I've been kind of unplugged from it. And it's, it's a new thing. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best to be as interesting as possible. But fortunately, Grant is here. He has put together the rundown. And he has put together the picks for the end of the show. And he has helped carry the show here as we get into the OU West Virginia Week, Grant. So thank you for that. And welcome into the show. How are you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing all right. But uh, first of all, congratulations to you on the new job. And uh Oh, I mean, you've been you have been carrying the show for about what, five six years now, so it's uh, obviously no problem to uh, to step in uh, when when needed to kind of to do a little bit of the uh, the extra legwork. But honestly, I'm a little excited here because you know what this means, Lee. You don't got that big J banner anymore with you, which means we may see a side of Lee Benson on the show we've never seen before. You may be a little bit more maybe more free to speak your mind a little bit, perhaps. I mean, you'd think that, but here's the thing. I, so. I did clear it with my new boss that, hey, like, listen, I have a podcast. I talk about OU football. Is that okay? And they said, yeah, I, I don't see why that would be a problem. They didn't even know, you know, had a podcast, which did not think they did. You know, why would they know? So point being, I mean, I, you know, I can't come on here and totally just set fire to everybody and, and make a whole scene because, like, what if it ends up making, you know, me look bad, which then would end up making the department look bad? I could get fired. I don't want to get fired. Nobody's nobody's telling you to spit fire. I think uh, even if you're going to be controversial, I think you should do it. I think you should deliver it in a sober tone, and you know, obviously, obviously, you shouldn't like go crazy or anything like that. But I mean, if you got to get after somebody now, I really feel like you should. I don't think you should hold back, <laughs> but obviously, be you know, be polite about it. I'll do my best, and so I, I mean, people listening could be thinking, you know, I expect we have some longtime listeners that. We'll listen no matter what, but there's some out there that may be thinking, okay, well, you know, you're not going to have the same kind of connections with the team. You're not going to be around the team as much, and that's true. Uh, I mean, I, I will have some connections here and there. I mean, I, I made some some friends. I mean, I know some things. If if I want to reach out and find out some info, I might be able to. But it's one of those things where now you and I are, are about as uh, you know. I mean, I'm I'm not as distanced from the program as I you know would have been otherwise. But it's just a couple of guys here. Uh, Talk at OU football, and I suppose it's good that we've at least set a standard, and we have a you know a, a bit of a, a following here, I guess, and, and we really appreciate all you loyal listeners. So we're going to keep it going. We're going to see how it goes, and 
hopefully the quality can continue to be up to snuff, if you will. I think, I think we got it. We got we, we got a good one today, I feel like. Not a, not a ton of newsy stuff this week, but I think there's some stuff for us to chew on for sure. There's something that's got me fired up. That's a good teaser. So before we get to OU West Virginia, let's talk about some news and notes. And a big one is it's not necessarily related to this season. Well, it isn't. It isn't, but it is, I guess, in a way. And uh, it looks like Colton Vasek, or Colton Vasek, Vasek, however you want to pronounce it. It doesn't matter anymore. I don't really care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, He decommits. And I think this one just stings a little bit more because he's going to Texas, obviously. And this was always going to be a tough one because he's from Austin. I think his his entire family are like alums of Texas as well. So that was always going to be a tough one. It's just, I don't know, it... It always just kind of stings maybe a little bit more. You got a kid from Austin who decides to pick Oklahoma. And of course, like with the rivalry and everything, that feels great. It's like, of course, he grew up in the shadow of Texas. And instead, he sees something in Oklahoma that we all see too. And he decides to pick that. Um, And then, of course, going against that and then flipping and going to Texas, that kind of stings a little bit. So I get it. And uh, this this is a show that really hasn't been too focused on recruiting. And, and mostly just because we want to stay, we kind of want to stay in our lane. We want to know, what we, you know, we we want to stick with what, what we feel that we know. And recruiting isn't really one of them. But this is one that I just wanted to acknowledge because this is, this has been the biggest news story for OU football this week, unfortunately. Uh, just wanted to acknowledge it. This one sucks. This one sucks a lot. The David Hicks one sucked. And this one sucks too. And uh, honestly, these are, these are these types of guys that you need to to go into the sec which is what ou wants to do and so ah, what else there's not really much you can say about it i don't want to draw any like narratives about this because i don't know what's going to happen this one was always going to be tough like i said but i don't know man i think the the big takeaway from this is mostly you just don't want this to become a trend right well what i was getting at though is that then you got vasic or vasic vasic whatever you want to call him who cares right another defensive player and that was kind of the thing right when you get brent venables and you get his staff the thought was is that man i mean they get a defensive guy committed, they ain't going anywhere. Why would they want to go play for anybody else other than Brent Venables and Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates and especially the, on, on the line there? Here we go. We got a defensive lineman and uh, two defensive linemen now that have, uh, well, one that didn't commit and then one that's decommitted. It's, and honestly, man, like, uh, they, they have only, I guess, in a way, themselves to blame. I mean, they've been disappointing this year. I, there's no way Colton Vosick decommits if OU is – seven and two or eight and one right now there's just no way right like it's just i don't know why else i guess i shouldn't say there's no we way don't know I, we don't know, don't know and that's why i think this is just, mostly this is why 32 yeah. year old grant i this is maybe you know what i tell myself why i'm not too too interested in recruiting colin colin vasek's a 17 year old kid i was stupid as hell when i was 17 and i just i i personally don't want to hang you know, on, on every word from a 17-year-old because you, you, 17-year-olds change their mind. And I know that's a cliche take, I, but it's just, it's true. And I, I guess I would prefer just not to get emotionally invested in that. Yeah, I guess I don't know if, I suppose, I'm, I'm using Oklahoma's uh, rough season to, to blame for him de- decommitting. It's just the timing of it seems like that's the case, but I guess that, you're right. That there, seems like the case to me too. I just like, I'm, I'm, I'm but, mostly just cautioning against it, it's probably a lot of reasons like him him being a texas legacy and living in austin is a, is a huge deal as well yeah it's, there's no way of knowing for sure unless you know he's directly asked about it and he says oh yeah i OU's not very good and so I, maybe he'll be asked that maybe he has been asked that but i guess at this point we don't know for sure so other than that 
you know, I didn't see the Venables presser. Yeah, I, I focused on work, but I did see some comments, some quotes, and, and I want to credit Justin Martinez at the Oklahoman. Uh, I read his article just because I went to the Oklahoma just to kind of get their perspective of it, see what the, you know, the biggest news was or whatever angle Justin took or wh- wh- what Barry Trammell took. Cause, you know, I, I know those guys and was around them all the time. I know that you know, if, if I'm not around somewhere, if I want to kind of get the, the headline or something, I know I can check out their story. Or I know, obviously, Scoot, you know, Sooner Scoop's a, a great website as well, and, and those guys do a nice job um, there. But I, I just, by habit, I went to the Oklahoman. And so there was a part of his story that stood out to me, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about here on the show. And come to find out, we were talking off the air. Grant was also intrigued by this angle as well. And so I'm going to read from Justin's story. This is in the Oklahoman from uh, either today or yesterday on Tuesday. He said, this is from Justin's story. He says, when asked about Oklahoma's defense on Tuesday, head coach Brent Venables pointed to the group's lack of experience. Quote, I see a defense that doesn't have a lot of experience. So there's going to be some ups and some downs, Venables said. He continued, you go up and down the roster and you see a bunch of guys. They're still learning how to play the game. That's part of the growth process. That is not a fun thing for anybody to be a part of, end quote. But Venables didn't just call his defense inexperienced. He came prepared with the numbers. Venables proceeded to name 16 rotational players on Oklahoma's defense. He started with the lone exception to his claim, fifth-year linebacker Deshaun White, who entered the season 36 previous starts under his belt. Venables then went down the list of defensive linemen. Again, I'm reading from Justin Martinez's story in the Oklahoman. Venables said, quote, Reggie Grimes, he's barely a one-year starter. Marcus Stripling's a senior, and he started two games in his career. Jordan Kelly started one game in his career. Jalen Redmond hasn't been a two-year starter yet. Jeffrey Johnson's a transfer. He's your other most experienced player. Venables continued, Isaiah Coe has started five games in his career. These are guys that are playing like freshman snaps. Ethan Downs has started nine games, not a full year. Jonah Laulu, again, another transfer, more experienced guy, hasn't been a two-year starter, end quote. And next up were the linebackers. Quote, David Aguebu is a year-and-a-half starter, Venable said. Danny Stutzman, still on his first year, still a rookie, end quote. Finally, Venables addressed the secondary. Quote, Jaden Davis, this is his second full-time year as a starter. Billy Bowman, not a year. Key Lawrence, I think it's eight games. He's been an eight-game starter. These are all guys starting for us right now. Justin Broyles, he's been here six years. At the end of this year, he'll be a two-year starter. Woody Washington, less than two years. There are some of the older guys, end quote. Venables made sure to point out one more thing, quote, I'm not making excuses, Venables said, just calling it how it is, end quote. So I know that was a lot there, but I wanted to get it all in there because that's from Justin's story, and I wanted to get all of Coach Venables' quotes. And that stands out, obviously, because a big part of the offseason discussion coming into this year was how much experience this defense has. And so... I'm sorry, Coach Venables. I, I don't buy it, man. I, you got a defense with a lot of players on your team that have played a lot of snaps of college football. And using the amount of starts as your reasoning for them being young is not going to pass the smell test. Not with how many starts these guys have uh, – I'm sorry, with how many snaps these guys have played 
And with the exception of Ethan Downs, Billy Bowman, and... Uh, R. Mason Jer- Thomas. R. Mason Thomas, Jaron Kanick when he's in there. The rest of this group is in their third, fourth, fifth, or sixth year in college football. And that's, that's not young. That's not an experience. This is, um, I'm trying not, trying not to make too much out of this, uh, but what Brent Venables said in this was really stupid. This is just wrong. He's just wrong about all of this. And, and we were talking about this beforehand, and I guess if you really want to get into it, maybe this is semantics, semantic overload. He doesn't, like, he's, he's judging starts as experience. Um, I don't know, man. That just, it doesn't pass a smell test to any of us who have watched this team over the last three or four years. David Aguebu, man, we've seen a lot of that guy. That dude has played a ton. Bringing him up in a list of guys who aren't experienced is is kind of it's it kind of offends me a little bit. Like I like I haven't been watching this stuff and I haven't seen it. Bringing Woody Washington up, get the hell out of here! Actually, get out of here. He brought up Justin Broyles. <laughs> Justin Broyles. You know which football like, that I'm guy's fine. played? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's been here so long. I like it's fine. Like, if you want to talk about Danny Stutzman being inexperienced, fine. I'll give you a bit of rope there, but that's acting like Danny Stutzman didn't play a bunch of valuable minutes last year or snaps last year either. Man, I don't know. This is so. I came on on Sunday after this, after the game on Baylor, after the Baylor game, saying, "Hey, it wasn't that bad. People are kind of are kind of overreacting to this." They're still using the preseason expectations to judge that OU team that we just saw play their ninth game. And I was saying, that's wrong, man. What I saw against Baylor was a, was a top 20, top 15 team playing another top 20, top 15 team, and they played a coin flip game. That's what happened. And I was defending everybody, saying it's not as bad as you guys think it is. When Brent Venables comes out and says stuff like this, I start to panic and start to think, oh, crap, maybe it is bad. If he's starting to think of stuff like this, he says, this isn't an excuse. It's just how it is. Coach. This is an excuse. That's something that somebody who just made an excuse says. Yeah, I can't believe he said it. I can't believe he added that at the end. That's, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that is a, the definition of an excuse. Uh, I, so I didn't go through all of it, but I just went and looked at the, the leading tacklers on the team. And you brought up Stutzman. That's, that's one guy that we forgot to mention at the start. So Stutzman's one of those you know, first or second year players. Okay. But you mentioned Stutzman played a lot of meaningful snaps a season ago. Uh, his first game starting, sure, was this season. Danny Stutzman, okay, if you want to argue he's a young player and use him in, in your example, that's fair. He's played 18 games in his career, and he's made nine starts. Okay. Uh, but the next four leading tacklers on this football team, Grant, David Aguebu, Deshaun White, who Brent Venables said he doesn't count, Justin Broyles, and Woody Washington. Aguebu has played 42 games. He's made 17 starts. Eight before this season. But you know, how many snaps has he played? Tons. I mean, countless snaps. Uh, Justin Broyles, 42 games, same. He's made 23 starts. He had 15 before this season. And Woody Washington's played 29 games. And he's made 19 career starts. And he had 10 before this year. I mean, what do you want? You're not even was- mentioning the two guys, the two big dudes in the middle of the defense, Jalen Redmond, who is arguably the most experienced guy in the defense coming. I mean, Deshaun White was, 
but was one of definitely one of the most experienced guys. And Jeffrey Johnson, who started a boatload of games at Tulane, which I understand was was P five. But come on, man, that's garbage. I I hate stuff like that. And you know what else? If they're not good. Just say that you're not good. Yeah. Just say that you're not good. It's okay. We see, like we see, we know the defense isn't good. <laughs> but don't come out here and gaslight us. That's wrong. How about a guy like Reggie Grimes? I mean, Reggie Grimes is in his third year. He's played a lot of football. He's, with the exception of the first couple of games and maybe first three, it's, I know he's on the field, he's playing, but okay. Uh, I mean, like, I can accept the arguments, right, that that the, you know, the four and the five stars that kind of dot the roster, and there's only two fives, there's so mostly just four stars that, that, that dot the roster, are a lot of them are busts and don't provide a lot of depth. I can buy into that, right? Marcus Stripling has been here for four years, and he really hadn't done anything this year. Uh, there's other guys, you know, other guys I can bring up as well too. But like we went over it over and over again in the off season. I understand the narrative of a lot of roster turnover, and that's true. There, there was. I, I will grant that there was a lot of roster turnover, but in a lot of in a lot of areas, the guys that did come back have a lot of experience playing college football, and the guys they brought in, the more than ten or the, like the dozen of them that they brought in. All had starting experience. All were in their third, fourth years of college football. Like, dude, this just, that's just everything that he said. And he even came prepared to this press conference with notes and everything. He's wrong. Completely. See, a, a, better, a, a better line of, uh, I guess, what's the right word? A, a better line of, def, not defense. That's not the right way to put it. But Say, that, say they're, in, they're in the first year of the scheme. Exactly. If you really want to make these arguments, just say That's they're in the exact- first year of the scheme. Yep. Come in and say that these aren't experienced college football players. Dude, it's, I, I know I said, it's just wrong. And Don't so, come to the press conference and just say blatantly wrong things. Yep, you read my mind. That's exactly where I was going. And so the thing is, if experience is that important, you know, and the problem is that, you know, the guys just aren't experienced enough. Well, I mean, coach, you you brought in a couple of defensive backs that have played a ton of college football and C.J. Colden and Trey Morrison. They have one of the most experienced secondaries in college football, period. Yeah, it just it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not the greatest uh, line of argument there. And it's man, it's we get it's your first year coaching this team. But man, he's a smart, smart guy. I'm sure Brent Venables did a ton of research. He looked at this roster. He, ton of, he had plenty of time in the offseason to kind of go through it. And yeah, he, he should know this. He knows these guys have played a lot of football. He has to. And, I mean, he knows that this fan base has watched these guys play a lot of football, I would hope. And to say that there's so much, you know, in, uh, inexperience, especially nine games into this year, is uh is is not right i mean i was giving him the benefit of the doubt back in the spring back in the fall when he was talking about the linebackers being inexperienced remember on this podcast we had a segment about when he talked about the linebackers being inexperienced and we were like um david Agwebu and deshaun white's played a lot of football <laughs> so had td roof at that point in time too and so, and so did td roof but you know i kind of i gave him the benefit of the doubt i i, I did i and now he's bringing it back up again, and now I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt because maybe that's what he meant. He just he says it's not an excuse. Sure, sounds like it, and it you're not going to get much of the benefit of the doubt whenever the defense is not very good. Uh, the first time they played a 
you know, a, a really you know, a, a well schemed, well coached offense in the last you know couple of games, and it looked like it did against. You know, it looked like it did against the bad, you know, the bad team. Like, heck, I mean, they got 42 to Kansas, and Kansas had its backup quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa State's offense is bad. And that's why, like, it was, a good, it was good to see Oklahoma's defense play well against that offense. But it was almost like, like I, I think you and I were on the same page. Like, you and I weren't coming away from that thing. Like, oh, everything's been fixed. Here we go. Like, we both knew Baylor was good on offense and could move the football. And it's almost like now I'm kind of – We both expected it. And we both expected it. Yeah, and now I'm kind of like transitioning into like an- another, another thing. It, it seems like, again, I've been kind of unplugged, but maybe the fan base, maybe some of uh, my former colleagues in the media, for some reason, uh, were expecting something else against Baylor. And that game, I guess, surprised a lot of people where you and I were, were pretty sanguine with it. Like, hey, man, like the Oklahoma's offense, they turned, the, they turned it over too much. That was the game. Boom. Here and there. Whereas I don't know, I know I'm kind of changing the subject on you, but uh, no, I guess to, yeah. to get back to the to get back to the Venables thing, and I, I here's here's my final thought on it because you're right, like I don't. Hey, listen, man, I was I was I was on this podcast after that three game losing streak, kind of depressed as hell, and trying to decide are 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 we watching kind of basically the collapse of OU football? I've 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 walked away I've walked away from the yet you know from the ledge on that right now, but I see something like this from Venables, and I'm just like. I hope to hell he hasn't convinced himself that this is the truth. Because if it is, that's a red flag. A big one. Probably the biggest one so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. And boy, in, in a season where we've been proven wrong about so many things, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's still too early to tell. I mean, they're they're not going to... You know, they're going to give Venables time, but it's just, you know, another loss, man. And, and they're looking at best case scenario, a seven and five season. Jeez. Uh, I told you last week, it's like, man, they go seven and five. I'll be, I mean, seven and five and eight and four seem like totally different, like way different, like totally different things, even though it's only one game. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess we can talk about West Virginia. That's what they got next. I mean, they're going on the road. It's. 11 a.m. kick. West Virginia is West Virginia. They got a good offense. Uh, defense isn't very good. Um, but like any other game in the Big 12, any other team, I mean, they're going to be capable of beating OU, and they got OU in Morgantown. And I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, Grant. I, I haven't watched much of West Virginia aside from the game against Baylor, which I was pretty impressed by JT Daniels in that game. Uh, I, I know that's you know, f- few other games have gone by or a couple games have gone by since then, but uh, this is a team that is certainly capable of beating Oklahoma, and I know it's it's the easy way out, but I I think the formula is going to be pretty similar to what it, what it was last week against Baylor, right? The offense has got to play really well, no mistakes, and if the offense plays pretty darn well, things can go go nicely for Oklahoma. I mean, it's all, like the the defense is going to give up points, going to give up stuff. Maybe JT Daniels will make some mistakes, but the key is the offense. The offense can't can't make mistakes has to play almost perfect and if that doesn't happen then i don't expect oklahoma to win the football game i mean i they don't have to play perfect so let's this is this is a west virginia team if if, if you had to pick a team that's worse than the big 12 at, at this point in time west virginia is kind of the obvious pick i i i'm knocking on wood saying that because i as i say that i i want to reiterate this is a game that oklahoma absolutely can lose on saturday and they they should have they should absolutely have, you know, they should absolutely be on alert for this game. 
mostly just because West Virginia's offense has been really good at home this year. Um, there's there's quite there's a massive difference between their home production, their road production. Put it here in the notes, but uh, Lee at home this year, West Virginia averaging 45 points a game and a little over seven yards per play, which would be top 10 nationally. And on the road, they're averaging 21 points a game at 4.73 yards per play. Uh, both of those both of those numbers are bad. So West Virginia, I think we can we can agree is probably just based on these numbers is is a different team at home. Uh, those I mean those are just massive massive differences there. Um, and also West Virginia, unfortunately, they they do have in terms of yards per play, they're the eighth uh, they're eighth in the Big Twelve in yards per play on offense. But unfortunately, they have a quarterback who can complete forward passes consistently, and they have one really good wide receiver, Bryce Ford Wheaton, and that's enough to scare the hell out of me. I mean, they're coming off a pretty embarrassing loss at Iowa State. Uh, by the way, a game where everyone's going to be burying them. Yeah, uh, a game that you and I nailed. Uh, Man, Iowa State minus seven, cash it, never a doubt. So that was uh, that was good. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess Oklahoma's coming off a loss too, so that's kind of evened out in that way. But I mean, this will be, well, I, I almost said it's going to be West Virginia Super Bowl, but every game against OU is like that. And West Virginia still has a game against K State, who's better than OU. And uh, well, Oklahoma State's kind of struggling right now, and they're on the road, so. I mean, this is, you know, OU and then K-State. That's kind of it for West Virginia, back-to-back home games. And I guess in theory, Grant, uh, they could still be bowl eligible. They got to win out. So this is a must-win game for West Virginia. And eight points, I guess that probably makes sense. Oklahoma's favored by eight. But, man, I, I guess you, you tell me that Dylan Gabriel's going to have zero to one turnover, then I'd feel pretty good about maybe laying that eight. But then again, at the same time, Oklahoma's defense is very good and and West Virginia's offense is a lot more capable than Iowa State's, and we've seen capable offenses against Oklahoma's defense score a lot of points, and move the ball pretty well. Yeah, but let's be a little more let's be a little more positive here. Let's let's kind of bring up some areas where OU can you know can feel pretty good about this. Uh, West Virginia does have the worst defense statistically in the Big Twelve, and honestly, my eyes actually my eyes tell me that Kansas has the worst defense in the Big Twelve. Uh, but but West Virginia is is right there. Their, their defense is not good. And in fact, I don't think they match up particularly well against OU's offense as well. West Virginia has really struggled Lee, with with explosive passing plays this year, uh, which is exactly what OU's offense is designed to do. Uh, fortunately enough, which they haven't they, they haven't hit enough of them this year. Uh, but I, I think if OU comes out and they're focused and they have a decent game plan, they're playing well on offense. They should be able to move the ball fairly easily in this game. Um, it's going to come down to turnovers, whether or not they can protect Gabriel and thir- on third down, stuff like that, because they still do have uh, a Stills brother in the middle there, and he's he's their best player. So you have to be, you have to watch out for that. Um, and so, like I I do think we could this this could be one of those games where if OU's offense is is kind of all put together, they they do have like one of those games like they did against Kansas, where it really was just them stopping themselves whenever they did. But other than that, it was just going up and down the field at will. And you kind of hope that that's going to be the case here going against this defense, which I, I, it's, just, it's, it's not a good defense, really, at all. They haven't been good at home either. Um, that's really just their offense. So um, the other, I guess, you know, if, if the OU defense, the one thing that you're pointing towards saying like, hey, this isn't so bad, is that well, they can't run the ball a lick. They're, they're terrible at running the ball. Okay. Like, and- even, I mean, <clears throat> Iowa State level bad running the ball. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that is bad then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did, 
Yeah, that defense isn't very good. I guess, you know, that's Blake Shapin had a field day against it, and then uh, yeah, that's the, the most I saw of West Virginia. And then Baylor's backup quarterback had a field day against the defense too. So, yeah, you'd hope, you'd expect Oklahoma to be able to score some points. Uh, but, yeah, it's just – I guess I don't know where they are running back-wise. I don't know if we're expected to see Javante Barnes. I guess I haven't gotten any of those injury updates at all this week. Um, I don't know if he's going to be available, if it's going to just be, once again, Eric Gray and Marcus Major. Who knows? I guess we'll find out. Well, so Barnes Barnes dressed last week, right? And so you hope, you I, hope I if he was he, available, yeah. You hope if he was available and dressed, maybe he, like, he theoretically technically could in a pinch go out there, but they just didn't. I, I'm They, they got to get Marcus Major out of there. It's a... Every time they hand the ball off to him, it's a wasted play. I mean, it's definitely been that way ever since Kansas, uh, Kent State, maybe. Maybe Kansas State at times. If I don't know if he had anything in that game. But <clears throat> uh, but other than that, man, I, I, I'll be honest. Again, I don't have much to say about this one. Uh, well, so got- let's – I mean, let's let's talk about it then. Like, what's the um, – like, going into this game. Like, where are you here, Lee? Like, so I, I'm going into this game right now thinking – it's a pretty big game. I mean, and this is this is one where I kind of hope the team is pretty is focused up and and is weary of an upset here or weary of a West Virginia team that would come out and play well. Like I, I put these in the notes, Lee. I, I think it's notable that one, it's the first time they've played in Morgantown in the daytime. They've every time they've been in in, in Morgantown, it's been a night game. So it's the first time they've played at eleven AM, first time they played in the afternoon, um, in Morgantown. That shouldn't mean anything but for whatever reason my brain sees that and i instantly think danger why i I don't know um and then also west virginia still has never beaten oklahoma in the big 12 they beat oklahoma in the fiesta bowl at the end of the 2007 season but they have not beaten oklahoma since they've gotten to the big 12 that's over 10 seasons now it's not going to be like that forever they're going to lose to west virginia eventually and there's only going to be two or three more opportunities for it well i mean it would make sense that this is the year, but I mean, OU's going to be red. I mean, they're they're not going to go in thinking that they're just going to walk over West Virginia. Not not in this year when Oklahoma's five and four and coming off a loss to Baylor at home. I mean, uh, so it's it's weird because how much have we in the past wondered about mentality, whether they're going to be ready to play, and it, almost now, man, like yes, that's important. But I guess all, all I need to see is how does Dylan Gabriel look at the start? Like, does he look like he looked against TCU at the beginning? Because if so, okay, uh, danger, danger. But if he's sharp and he looks like he's ready, then I think the team will be, is ready. And that's kind of the – I mean, it, it's all on him. I mean, when you're 5-4 and four and it's – I don't know, like not, not, not everything's got to be perfect – in a way, it, it's it's kind of the mentality I have to be honest with you. Like, it, as long as Dylan Gabriel's looking good, then Oklahoma's got a great chance to win. If he comes out kind of shaky, then well, uh, five and five looks pretty possible. That's that's simply the way I look at it. Sure, yeah, and I think I think all of us can envision West Virginia hitting a bunch of big passing plays, right, or a bunch of big plays on offense. I think everyone can envision that. Um, where it gets a little more. I don't know, man. OU hasn't played a defense statistically this bad since they played Kent State. So um, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that'll go, um, how sharp they are. And so that, I mean, that, that, that's, I, I think you're right in this. Like, we'll be able to pretty much know right away 
what the mindset of the team is by how Dylan Gabriel looks. Like, if he's sharp, I think a lot of people are going to relax. Like, he comes out and, and they score, they, they drive down the field and score a touchdown on the first, first drive. A lot of people are going to relax. You know, Eric Gray comes out and the offensive line is mauling and Eric Gray is getting five, six yards a pop. I think people are going to relax, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah. You, you, you never know what's going to happen, man. This is still a five and four team. And uh, this is, I, I think you look at the schedule, right? And this is, this is their best opportunity for a win the rest of the year. This is the worst team they play the rest of the season. This is, this is the worst opponent they will play the rest of the year. And so how much, how much stock do you put into, I mean, Vegas is, is making them an eight-point favorite into this game. I mean, that's an eight-point road favorite is nothing really to sneeze at, especially a conference game. Um, that, that number almost... It's almost similar to the Iowa State-West Virginia game last week where it's like, that's pretty high. Uh, I think and I will say, Lee, this say, is one. Say, you take, don't, the, you don't, take the favorite. You don't see this a lot anymore. Um, and it, it's possible that this line has been bet down. The money has come on in West Virginia this week as well. But SP Plus, Lee, has OU as 13.5-point favorites in this game. And you don't, you don't really see that spread between SP Plus and, and Vegas at all anymore. Huh. Well, if you give me a second here, I can go ahead and check the line movement and see where it began and where it is. Because that's uh, that's telling you. I mean, if you're a big SP Plus guy like you are, I mean, that's saying you should bet the house on that's Oklahoma. That's a yes. If you are, if you're a big SP Plus guy, that is a you. That's a big, big marker to to take SP Plus for sure. Well, I'm looking at. Uh, I like to use Odd Shark. Uh, I'm sure there's other websites out there that track uh, betting lines throughout the week or whatever, but uh, I know that this website does it. And so I'm looking at it and they track a bunch of online, you know, offshore accounts. And anyways, it looks like the line opened at OU anywhere from OU minus eight to uh, I see an OU minus seven. So it's kind of been around seven, eight. The okay. Entire week. Interesting. Now, what has changed is the total. The total opened around 65, and now it's up to 67. So, and that's going to probably only keep climbing, I bet, because you know, this, this is a game where it's kind of, kind of easy to predict points, you would, you would expect. Yeah, I mean, man, West Virginia's offense has just been really inconsistent this year. They've had games where they've, they've been great, um, they've had games where they just haven't been able to move. I mean, they had, they had 200 yards of offense last week against Iowa State. Two weeks before that, barely had, I think they had less than 300 against Texas Tech. Yeah, they're just, uh, I mean, you got to hear, hear in the notes. I mean, they're a different team at home. I mean, they're much better at home. Their, uh, their defense still sucks at home. Yeah, yeah, their offense, though, is a lot better. Maybe JT Daniels just it gets too loud for them. You know, they can't run the offense. I don't know. But I, I think it's uh, how often, right? Like, how, like, will the whole will the quit factor play in here? I mean, West Virginia is three and six. They're they're not out of bowl eligibility, but West Virginia is a is a program that doesn't expect to be three and six. I mean, I can't. I I think we all kind of expect, unless you know he wins three in a row in the year. I think we all expect Neil Brown probably not to return next year. And so, is there is there a quit factor here? Is there? I mean, yeah. it's it's. I watched a bit of that game last week against Iowa State. And I, when I say that West Virginia was punchless, I mean that very sincerely. I mean, they, Iowa State punched them in the mouth repeatedly, and West Virginia did not get up. Yeah, so, there's certainly something like that there, but then you're playing the game of, 
you know, trying to get into the heads of a bunch of college kids. And you could easily make the argument, hey, you know, maybe these guys are very well aware that they've this this school's never beaten Oklahoma. And it's like, you know what? We could be the team that does it finally and, and kind of have a cool thing to go out on this year. And they know they're a lot better at home than they are on the road. And yeah, you could argue that, too, you know, and, and also throw in the fact that in theory, they still could make a bowl game if they went out. So I, I'd probably bet more on that than than the quit factor, to be honest with you. I would say, yeah, like I was going to I was going to finish that by saying, man, I kind of feel like every single time I in my head as an OU fan, I bring up the other team's quit factor. It always rebounds and it's always the opposite. It's always they just play out of their minds. And actually, I kind of but actually, that's not true. Earlier this year, OU played Nebraska in a game like that. And I, 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 they drove downfield and scored a touchdown on the very first drive of the game, and I was, I was panicked, but then OU totally took control of the game, and then the quit factor kind of came into play. I don't know, so maybe it's a, hopefully it's a 2022 thing. In hindsight, that was the worst thing to happen to Oklahoma, because I saw a, uh, I think Brett McMurphy or the Action Network shared some, some stat of all the teams that played Nebraska this year, and then what happened to them after they played Nebraska. Did you, did you see this? Like... Uh, yes, I have absolutely seen that. <laughs> it's just, it's like, I mean, obviously it's a coincidence, but it's just like, man, you, you play Nebraska and then you just suck the rest of the year. Like OU has been the best of any team after they played Nebraska. That's right. <laughs> Illinois beat Nebraska two weeks ago and then lost to Michigan State inexplicably last week. Hmm. Yeah, inexplicably for sure. Anything else on this game you want to get off your chest? I am good. Not really. I just, I, I hope, uh, I really hope there's not any OU fans relaxing in this game thinking that like it's a layup because it's not. And last week wasn't either. Are any OU fans? I mean, I guess were any OU fans thinking that last week? I mean, in this season of uncertainty, like how could you go I in personally, any game? I, I personally got that feeling. I'm not, I'm not accusing anyone of anybody, but I personally got that feeling. And, and that could be just be totally post hoc, like rationalization. But I got the feeling leading into the Baylor game that a certain segment of OU fans had relaxed a little bit and thought that they had gotten through the worst. And, well, and alarm bells started going off in my mind once I realized that. Well, I mean, the reactions after the loss maybe is evidence of that. Kind of support I mean, there, that. Yeah, there's a lot of people seemingly very, very shocked and mad. And like, you can be mad after a loss, uh, but I mean, I'm, to still, I'm still upset. I, I really yeah. wanted them to win that game. I, I, I knew that it was going to be a tough game that I knew it was going to be a coin flip game. And I'm pissed off that they lost it. Yep. But it's, it's very easily explainable as to why, at least from my perspective, I, I know we didn't really talk much about the second half of the game on our post podcast, but it's because honestly, like were, were you, was anybody expecting OU's defense to get off the field on fourth and one? in the fourth quarter there like i wasn't. It was fourth and three it was fourth and three no there was a fourth and one it was that uh i think it was fourth and one when baylor was like on their own 29 or something that was fourth and one. Oh, you're not talking about the last play of the game oh no 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 i'm talking earlier in the i don't know if it was a different driver but like i know that there was some you know uh, wasn't that the, that was the same drive with the co-penalty wasn't it they were going baylor was going right to left i think it was the fourth quarter they were, you know, Dave Aranda went for it like on their own 29 yard line, but it was fourth and one. And it's like, okay, like, oh, he's not going to stop them. Like, I, I knew they were going to get that first down. So like, that wasn't even a big play to me. 
Uh, but yeah, the the play you're referencing is yeah, like the was it fourth and three, and then the big run. Uh, it just I don't know. It's like to me the game was decided in the first half. That game goes totally differently if Oklahoma doesn't turn the ball over. They play with a one or a two score lead. Obviously, it goes differently. And so even though it was only a three point game and they had chances after halftime. They were kind of in, in situations, like I just brought up a moment ago, where I just didn't expect OU's defense to get off the field. And I think we pointed out, surprisingly, the defense, there was four four drives where they got either three and outs or turnovers. So, I mean, in decent spots. So, like, the defense was not good, but it, it was just kind of the same way it has been. So, they kind of played up to expectation, whereas the offense – let everybody down with the way they turn the ball over. And that just, they haven't been that way. So that's kind of the way I saw it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I've totally adjusted my expectations and I, I, I kind of feel like I accept OU for who they are this year. And this is just, this is the type of season that it is right now. And I just, I kind of, I kind of thought some of the rhetoric after the game last week was just kind of over the top a little bit about the OU defense. And like, we know the OU defense isn't any good, but like, the Baylor defense gave up more yards per play, also gave up like five and a half yards per carry. Did they play well? It's a, it's a great point. That Their defense is supposed to be pretty good, right? Defending Big 12 champs, Dave Aranda. Uh, and Oklahoma's offense was really good against it with the exception of some mistakes in the first half. <laughs> it was four plays, three interceptions in the fourth and one to Marcus Major. So... Baylor's defense made four plays in the game. And they played great. They played great. It's ridiculous. Nope, it's all an OU's defense. Just the entire game, they're terrible, apparently. And again, it's like, it's all about the degrees of bad. And again, it's like, yeah, it's, it's very similar to how we talked in 2018, 2017 to some extent. It's like, eh, defense is what it is. It's not very good. Uh, the offense has got to be perfect, and it's not fair for the offense, but that's just kind of the world we live in. They're a better unit. Like, if the offense wasn't as good, then it, it would just it would be totally like, well, all right, who cares? <laughs> like, eh. But, like, that's kind of the, the burden of the offense being good. I mean, yeah, it, we're, and it's, we're, we're like, here again. I, don't know, I was... And the entire week, I've just it's 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 kind of it's just interesting when you think about it, right? Like how the difference that three points can make, right? And how and like your perception of how well somebody played, and uh, I don't know, man. Like that that's just, like I didn't OU's defense didn't play well on Saturday, but Baylor's defense got freaking shredded too. It came down the game came down to four plays. It happens. See, they can say the Baylor's defense, they forced those takeaways, and OU only forced, what, one? There you go. You know, you got to get some more takeaways. And, and that, statistically, that's, that's true. Baylor was lucky to get those three interceptions, and they were. Yeah, they're not great decisions by Gabriel. Two of the they're, three. They're, they're lucky as a stat over an entire season worth of passes. The fact sure. that they had three passes defended in the game, they were all intercepted. That's a, that's a statistical anomaly. Gotcha. All right, looks like uh, you want to talk college football playoff rankings? No, I just put it in there just in case you had thoughts, but I'm assuming you don't. You are correct. I mean, TCU being in the top four is obviously the right move, uh, but other than that, nope. I uh, I, I have don't. sensed. 
I've sensed this year, um, and maybe last year too, uh, a little bit, just kind of a, there has been more of kind of just like a collective, a, a lot of people not really getting as worked up about the rankings this year. And I'm curious, I know, I know ESPN said at the beginning of the year they were going to make an effort not to talk about the playoff as much during like college football broadcasts of like other games that weren't you know, other teams that weren't involved in the playoff. And I, I've noticed that too. Like when I watch ESPN, I don't see a lot of playoff talk, which is which is nice and stuff like that. Hmm. I was watching Sports Center and stuff before we started uh, recording. I saw a lot of playoff talk there, but um, I don't know. I think everyone has kind of accepted that it's going to play out, and there's no reason to get it to get too worked up over what it is before the final one. At least that's where I am now. Like I just I don't care. It'll all play itself out. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I mean, it's a it's a TV show. We always talk about that, and, and it is. It just I would prefer some consistency. Either you know what, if you're going to rank these teams, just say forget you, a people. We're going to do the college football playoff rankings. You know, heck, okay, maybe not a preseason poll, but after week one, let's start it now. Or how about we just not do it until the very end of the year? Because uh, that's the last poll that matters anyways, and uh, at least for the playoff and seeding and bowls and whatnot. And, and I know technically that's not true because you get into the whole thing. It's like, well, the rankings matter in week 12 because if you beat somebody who's ranked a certain you know number and blah, 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 and okay, sure, fine. But uh. when they go to 12, I, th- I think these shows will be more important. Like, because you're going to need to know when... When you make the pie bigger, right, you're, you're going to want to know where you stand once you get to November going into the week. And so yeah. I, I think it's going to make a lot. Whereas right now, it really is just like you, just, you can't lose. You just, you just win all your games and you'll be fine. And I, that, that, I think that takes away a lot of the drama from it. But when you, when you go to 12, I think there's going to be a lot more kind of politicking, a lot more people kind of like playing out the schedules in the future, stuff like that. So, and and that could just be me just you know trying to fill in the blanks trying to rationalize why you know why I want the 12 but i don't know it's 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 a far cry from where i was in 2019 when i was getting all worked up about utah and stuff in there i just i don't care anymore <laughs> but also i i feel like a lot of people have too i think a lot of people kind of see through the the act of it and i think a lot of people have i've kind of been trained into knowing what it, exactly what it is well, let's talk about the Big 12 real quick. And, man, I mean, you look at Iowa State at Oklahoma State, and, again, I, I don't know, maybe there's an update. Maybe Mike Gundy addressed it, but you see the Cyclones on the road laying a point, and that's telling me that Spencer Sanders, uh, he's probably not playing in this one either. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's clear. Like, so, I, I, who knows how long he's out for? Wow, that's, I mean. I'll be, I, hey, hey, right here. Good for Iowa State. I they if they win on Saturday, they're going to give themselves two shots at bowl eligibility in the last two games of the year. Good for them. Man. You see that and you I, I don't I don't know how you back how you back Oklahoma State if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, but uh boy that uh, that team has taken a turn, huh? I mean they should have beaten TCU. <laughs> they they should have beaten TCU whatever it was a month ago, and they had gone to, I think, 6-0. and And, uh, boy, they're, that game, they're 1-3 beginning with that game. The Cowboys are. That's tough. I mean, whew. Yeah, you know, I, I remember watching, you know, their season opener against Central Michigan, watching it, 
And I mean, they scored a lot of points, and they won by. I don't think actually I don't think they won by a lot, but they they were up by a lot at one point in time. But even when they were looking, I guess maybe kind of impressive, the entire time I was thinking, "Ooh, this team's way worse than they were last year." <laughs> so I uh, yeah, in in a in a year where I've been proven wrong about a lot of things, uh, I I can add a third thing though that I actually am right about, and and the the top two things that I know I'm right about is that. Uh, and you're on the same page as this, maybe more so than, than me on the other, but Mario Cristobal is not a good coach. We're both on that same page. I'm not so sure how much you're on this page, but I'm on, I'm on the Mel Tucker's also not a good coach. Yeah, I think that's more, that's more huge because of the connection with the Bears. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think Mel Tucker's anything special, but I, I don't, I'm not too emotionally invested in it. Sure, that's fair. And then, so the third thing I'm going to add is that before the year, uh, essentially whenever Oklahoma State hired Derek Mason and... Derek Mason said that he was going to run the same defense as Jim Knowles and do the same system. When I first heard that, I thought, that sounds weird, and that's not going to work. <laughs> and Oklahoma State's defense grant is uh, ranked 124th in the nation, and uh, that's even worse than Oklahoma's. So I, I think I was right about that, uh, but, man, I didn't think they'd be this bad. Yeah, maybe. I may have to... Yeah, if Spencer Sanders doesn't play next week, I, Oklahoma State actually might be OU's best chance for a win the rest of the year. Man. Crazy. But uh, also, I mean, that's a... That doesn't... Like, when I, watched, when I watched them in the first half of the season when they were still undefeated, in my head, I was thinking, this team is all Spencer Sanders, and Spencer Sanders is just kind of okay. Yeah. And they've been injured. It's not just him. I mean, their running back, Dominic Richardson's been out. Uh, I believe Jason Taylor, they're really good safety. He got banged up against Texas, and he missed some time against Kansas State. And uh, appreciate I, the hell out of them beating Texas, though. Yeah. Uh, K State's at Baylor. Baylor's laying two and a half at home. About a, a coin flip game. That's a that's a fun matchup. Don't have any. Uh, I don't really have any thoughts on that one. I honestly, I'd probably. I'm riding with Baylor. They're going to win the Big Twelve. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably lean to Baylor. They're uh, like you said, they have everything in front of them. Uh, pardon me if I forget to edit out those coughs. Uh, that's what I. Yeah, it's one of those uh, one of those times of the year. Kansas, Texas Tech, not interested. Uh, Tech laying three and a half, and then uh, TCU at Texas. That's the game of the game of the day in Big Twelve, and we're gonna talk about that more when we make our picks. I think I think Kansas and Texas Tech is kind of interesting. Yeah, sure. It's just like I mean, in the sense that Kansas they they got their sixth win last week. Um, and then also this is weird. I, I didn't, Kansas is averaging over seven yards per play. They're top 10 in the country in yards per play. Huh, I, think, I feel like their offense has been struggling with, the, I mean, well, they didn't struggle against OU, I guess. I mean, two of their last three games they've, they've had, <laughs> like they've had close to seven and a half, eight yards per play. Okay. So they must have, had a, they had a. I guess that Baylor, yeah, that Baylor game was kind of weird, though. They didn't do anything until the second half. They didn't do anything in the Baylor game, but they had, I, I think they averaged almost 10 yards per play against Oklahoma State. Wow, Kansas. I, yeah, good for them. But uh, I, I find that interesting just because OU ends the season with Texas Tech, and I desperately do not want o, Texas Tech playing for bowl eligibility in Lubbock at night against OU in the last game of the season. <sighs> Yeah, they, yeah. 
and with a with a defense that surprisingly is kind of salty. Yeah, it's not bad. How they how they uh, I mean one how they lose to TCU and and two how do they not even cover? I mean they were they were winning that game in the second half. They were like a nine and a half point dog. So I started watching that game when they were they were ahead when I started watching. And when I started watching, their offense was just completely they, they couldn't do anything. I mean, they they went backwards, they were turning it over, they were they looked completely incompetent. Yeah, they had to bring in Tyler Shuck. I don't know if Morton got injured or, or why. I mean, his numbers were actually pretty good. I guess I wasn't watching it that close, but uh man, that Tyler is it Tyler Shuck or Tyler, am I getting Yeah, Tyler. Tyler Shuck, the he was at Oregon and he trained Man, he uh, he must not be very good. Uh, got beat out by a couple players, and yeah. Anyways, let's go to picks. Uh, so hey, so both of us were three and two last week. Is that correct? That is correct. We uh, there was uh, there were a couple of games that we uh, that we differed on, and I think we split those games. Oh, okay, okay. Um, let's see, uh, Alabama and Ole Miss. So we got number nine Alabama with a couple of losses now out of the playoff hunt. We think, I guess, I mean, I guess, yeah, probably. Um, they're laying 12 on the road at Ole Miss, coming off a loss. That's in, that's rather intriguing. I kind of like seems Alabama. like a lot of points. Yeah, I kind of like Alabama. After a loss. I'm also going to go with Alabama. I know, like, I, I just, as soon as I said that's a lot of points, like, my, my gambling logic kicked in, and I was like, oh, Alabama's going to win by four touchdowns, aren't they? It's it's just enough points for you to be like, man, that's a lot of points. Home dog, but it's it's still not two full touchdowns, and, and it's 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 a it's a point spread to where you you still don't feel terrible taking Bama. It's just it's a really good number. What a weird number that twelve that is kind of a weird number. UCF is at Tulane. How about Tulane? UCF at Tulane. Uh, the green wave laying a point and a half at home so okay so apparently ucf's pretty solid team uh but i mean i don't know how you can't back uh willie fritz and the green wave i mean it's clearly a a a magical season for those boys down in the bayou so uh short home favorite why not i'll take Tulane. yeah i i threw this game in here because it's one of uh one of only four uh top 25 matchups this week so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with our boy Willie Fritz and our boy Michael Pratt at Tulane. It's actually kind of funny. Like, we, because OU opened with Tulane last year, and, like, and of course, it was the first game of the season. So, we, in the summer, we watched a lot of Tulane. I did a lot of, a lot of prep work because we were excited for the season. If you watch Tulane, Lee, man, a lot of familiar names from, <laughs> from the prep and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a lot, it's kind of the same team as last year. It's kind of fun watching it. Yeah, it takes us back to a simpler time when, we thought Oklahoma could win a national championship, and and they almost lost to Tulane, a team that finished like two and ten. They were so bad, they were so bad last year. All right, uh, Washington's at Oregon. Oregon's laying thirteen and a half at home. Hmm, man, Oregon. Yeah, Washington's kind of falling off. Oregon's kind of on a mission, aren't they? I'm kind of, I'm starting to kind of, I think Oregon's going to, I think Oregon might make the playoff. I think if they, I think if they, if they win out, they're going to be in really good shape to make it. And I, they're just, they're just playing way better than anyone else in the Pac-12 right now. That's kind of the thing, right? I guess, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this because honestly, I didn't even know this in the preseason, but 
maybe you knew. So the Pac-12, it's just the top two teams that play for the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, they got rid of their divisions. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at a potential Oregon-USC Pac-12 title, but then again, USC and UCLA got to play still. And, I mean, UCLA has... has same exact you gotta be feeling USC, pretty good so. right now, like right, with UCLA now Notre Dame. They just upset Clems- up, upset Clemson, I'm sure. In your head, you're thinking, okay, that probably means they are capable of beating USC. You're, no, yeah, uh, I mean, you're you're under nine and a half is kind of maybe some new life here. No, I mean it's still alive. It's just uh, by this time, I mean they played nine games, man. I I thought they'd be at least at two. I, I figured they'd a lot. You know, I figured Utah would be a loss, and I I, I thought they'd get beat by some other random. Isn't team. it crazy? Isn't it crazy how they're 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 Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley? Yeah, I know. That's what they are. It's the crazy. Thing, the the thing that makes me not as confident though is that the last couple of games they've been giving up a lot of points and stuff, but their offense is scoring, and they haven't even had Mario Williams or Jordan Addison the last two games. They've both been out. And they've still been able to score. And so, I mean, when those guys get back, their offense is going to be even better. And well, I mean, they have Caleb Williams is the best player in the country and they have Mm -hmm. him. So, so that's just, they're missing these great offensive players and they still couldn't get upset by Cal or who was it? There's another team. I'm just Washington state, Arizona state. Uh, There's the Arizona game. Arizona was, Oh, the drive Arizona like shredded them punch for punch. And they just still Caleb Williams in the game just kept getting that extra score to get to separate. I I will say it's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny that their, their defense is like, it's not quite 2018. OU bad because I, because of just the turn, they get a ton of takeaways still and, and a lot of like havoc, but man, when they're, when they are not getting havoc, they get freaking shredded. Like I was watching the Cal. I mean, Cal was just the amount of times that they that when they needed easy yardage, how they were how they were able to get it was just kind of eye opening a little bit. Yeah, gave I me mean, PTSD. I mean, yeah, they're giving up they're giving up more than six yards per play, Grant. <laughs> that is. I mean that that is that's that's 2018 OU level bad. Yeah, that, I mean that's by comparison. Uh, by the end of last year, OU's defense was giving up about 5.7 per play. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just that offense is so damn good, and, and they're not. I mean, the teams they're playing are. I don't know. It makes you kind of wonder, right? Like, how would this USC team be in the Big Twelve? Honestly, I think they'd probably be about six and three. That's just. I think they they'd be pretty similar to. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they're really similar to any. Actually, I mean the team that they're most similar to is OU. <laughs> I just they've just been they've been a little luckier because it seems like the Pac-12. It's I mean the Pac-12's got some good. I mean Pac-12's, Pac-12's pretty good at the good top. Teams, actually, the 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 bottom of the Pac-12 is really bad. I mean Washington's kind of falling off a bit, but they're still seven and two. I mean Oregon State gave USC all it could handle and and almost won that game, and they're yeah, kind I'm of in the middle of, of the like, pack. Teams like Arizona State, Arizona, Stanford, Colorado, which is I mean, USC's played all those teams. Yep, they're those teams suck. I mean, they're bad. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, well, I mean the thing is they can score. Some of these teams could, they got offense, man. I, I, yeah, Arizona unless, can score unless it's just they got offense against USC's defense, which could be the could be the case. 
North Carolina is at Wake Forest. Wake Forest at home laying three and a half. Boy, this number, North Carolina number 15, this number is telling you, hey, you probably should think about taking Wake Forest here. That's what I was um, thinking, too. We did. Uh, we had Wake Forest on uh, on our picks last week against NC State. We got it, right? And they win that We, we both took NC State. We both got it, yeah. Oh, we got Oh, NC State, but there NC State was uh, a home fav- uh, home dog, right? Um, I can't I can't remember what it was. We won by half a point, whatever it oh, was. Really? We took NC State and we won the bet by half a point. Oh, okay. Well, uh, man, I I'll go with Wake Forest just because kind of that's the principle of it. But I'm gonna go with UNC. <laughs> And actually, I'm going to probably think of changing my pick as, as soon as I explain why. I was about to say, have you noticed, and may, maybe not because you've been focused on your new job, but have you noticed just like the the flood of Drake May is going to be the number one pick in the draft in two years takes that have come out this week? No, I haven't noticed that, but that was going to be the reason why, I mean, why everyone would, would want to grab North Carolina, right? Because this guy... Is having a good season. I've seen some PFF numbers again. PFF college is kind of garbage. But I have not seen him play at all. But everyone says he's great. His numbers are really good. Yeah. And you but know, also, it, I I have a hard time believing that he is better than Caleb Williams. Well, is Caleb Caleb Williams isn't isn't eligible though to come out. Well, so is Drake May. They're both they're both sophomores. Oh, they're in the same class. Oh. Yeah, I said. I'm sorry. I said in two years. That's why. That's sorry. why I thought okay. it was interesting because I've seen multiple people say it's gonna be it's gonna be Drake May and Caleb Williams in the 2024 draft. Well, I guess you probably should watch this guy play then, because yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't imagine. Like to me, it's like such a no brainer. If you're a NFL team, it's like yeah, you're this upcoming draft. I I'll tell you what, I'm not interested in Bryce Young. I'm not interested in uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, I'm interested in Caleb Williams. Uh, I'll tell you, like yeah, that's not, why uh, not interested in uh, in 2022 Colt McCoy or Ohio State Landry Jones. So you should probably wait a year for uh, <laughs> for the other two guys. But man, Drake May's got some pretty pretty awesome numbers, though. I will say, like you said, he's got some pretty darn good numbers. Got eh, probably a lot of ways got better numbers than Caleb Williams. Yeah, his numbers are great. His numbers are awesome. 6'4", 220. I need to watch this guy play. He got good size. All right. Okay. I think he runs a little bit, too. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's maybe a lot to like there, but uh, also at the same time, who are the last two? I mean, you got last two guys from UNC, Trubisky and Sam Howell now. I don't know, yeah. man. Well, it's he's not my Drake. I only have one Drake. That's Drake Stoops. Thank you. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about like Drake, the recording artist. Uh, yes, Drake, the recording artist, uh, better known as uh, actor in the teen Canadian drama Degrassi. Drake, aka Aubrey Graham. Yes, that's uh, that's that's what I recognize him as. I, I still think it's biz- bizarre that he uh, is a is a musical artist to me. He is. I still thought uh, it was crazy in Degrassi that he got like in a car wreck and they put him in a wheelchair. Yeah, and like little little twelve year old Grant was like, "Oh, is that guy really in a wheelchair?" And then I was really confused like five years later when he was rapping and walking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was very confused when he was rapping because I again, I just I knew him as an actor, and then I mean, I guess that's not that crazy because people can do both. But it just, anyways, what a what a weird sidebar for this this episode. Finally, TCU in Texas, uh, maybe the is this the is this the game of the day in college football? I mean, it might be. Yes, it's, it's, it absolutely. I mean, it's the I think it's the game day game. Okay, I mean that's 
boy, and they're just not giving any respect to TCU, man. Texas minus seven. I mean, you know what? I, I, okay. Like, it's kind of similar to last week where it's like, that's such a big number. You're like, eh, maybe you should grab Texas, but I'm not going to do that. Texas, Texas is Texas, man. Like, I'm going to grab TCU plus seven, and they're having like the season of their lives. Uh, yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll grab the Horn Frogs and not really worry about it. Um, I, I shunned betting principles last week with Tennessee and Georgia. I'm not going to do it here. Texas is probably going to blow them out because TCU is not that good. <laughs> Let's see here. I mean, I mean, okay, I'm sorry. TCU is good. They are having a very good season. They are a very good team. They're not, they're not top four team in the country. Good this year. They're, they're just not. Well, the thing with TCU is they've been. They've been trying to lose for like four or five weeks, and they, they just – they're not. They, they, they figure it out. I, I don't – and at some point, there's, a, there's some belief there. And, I mean, that's a, a tough road game that Texas just came from against Kansas State. Now they got to come yeah. home and play a really good TCU team. And Don't get me wrong here. Like, the potential for Texas to get up by multiple scores and then choke it away at the end in a heartbreaking fashion is – is absolutely just wonderful to think about and is absolutely could, you know, could happen in this game. But like remove your emotion from it, remove your connection to both of these schools in the big 12. Look at the betting principle that Vegas is getting you ready for a Texas romp. That's what this line says. No, you're right. Uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm betting on TCU. I mean, just kind of the way they're playing, which I guess I did that with Tennessee last week and that didn't work out. Uh, but at the same time, I'm using that and also just my thoughts on, you know what, Texas can be Texas. Never underestimate Texas's ability to Texas whenever it's most Texas. Uh, I can't finish the rest of that sentence. But and this just, is I, like, this is, I, I this is one of those them. situations. This is one of those situations, right? I mean, this is Texas still controls their own destiny in the Big 12. And TCU obviously does too. I think T- TCU can, prob- can, can afford to lose a game here, so it's not as... So I don't know, man. This is this is this game is Texas's season. They're at home. They're playing well. We'll see. I mean, if if Texas is going to do it, if they're going to announce that we're back, this is the game to do it. Which now that I say that, I'm just like, oh God, should I should I actually be on Texas here? Well, that's what but it yeah, is. It's... I mean, take the emotion away from it. Take it away from it. Go with Texas. That's that's the smart play here. All right. Uh, to recap. We are both on Alabama minus the 12 at Ole Miss. We are both on Tulane as a short home favorite minus one and a half against UCF. We're both on Oregon as a 13 and a half point home favorite against Washington. And the last two, we are, we are at odds. Uh, I'll take Wake Forest minus the three and a half at home. You'll take North Carolina catching the three in the hook on the road with Drake May, the other Drake. And uh, you'll take Texas laying the seven at home, and I'll grab TCU and the points. TCU plus seven on the road, mainly because of TCU's magical season, and I don't trust Texas at all. All right, well, uh, for the season, you're a couple games above 500. I am two games below 500, so you're right around. You're, you're not losing anybody any money, fortunately, and I'm, uh, I'm down a down a couple years so not terrible not great though any final thoughts grant no no it's uh 
only that it's somehow game 10 coming up already and just remember all of the all of the words that we had in the summer all the thoughts that we had all the time it felt like it took to to, to get here season's almost over and that's just weird it's always weird it always flies by because yeah it's really it's, it's a very short season but yeah i mean so like the amount of time so it was the beginning of september so september october october to november so we're two we're what nine weeks maybe 10 weeks in i guess this is 10th week whatever ten, this is week 11 this week, week 11, technically okay. in the college football schedule so like week 11 weeks is nothing right in the grand like so that's like the equivalent of you know it's it's early april and then it's like 20 percent of the year and then it's like early june it's like like the beginning of april to like early to mid june i guess that's a decent amount of time but it's really not that long but in football sense, it it does, it it goes by fast. Yeah, and it's like man, and whenever Oklahoma is five and four, and it's just uh, yeah, it's just not as it's not the same, man. This has been a very bizarre year for West of Everest, and it's the rest not of the, the same. But also, I find myself just as invested in every game, and, and I was last week against Baylor. I was, and so. I don't know. It's always it's always the shock of the disappointing season when it's happening, and then and then things stabilize, and then you, at least that's that's how it is for me. You, you accept who they are, and then you just kind of hope for the best from there. And that's where I'm at right now. Well, fortunately for us and for the fan base and for Coach Venables, uh, those defensive players will get one more game under their belt this Saturday against West Virginia, so they can get a little bit more experience. Because uh, uh, hey, hey, man, they're not. They're not going to be experienced until they at least get through next year starting as well. So, <laughs> yeah, yes. After some of these guys have left college football and and have not have stopped playing football because they were not picked up by an NFL team. Yes. Hey, man, Jalen Redmond, man, he's only in his second year as a full starter. He's not very experienced. Ugh. Justin Boyle is only going to be a two-year starter by the end of this year. He's been here. He's been here since the. Since I think uh, Barack Obama was the president, still say so, yeah, he's been here since the friggin' since the Clinton administration, and he's not experienced. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Uh, we'll be back after the game to break down OU and West Virginia. So until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show, and if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five star review, and also. Tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.